Hey, we've been in a series that we started over the last couple of weeks called Win the Day. And what we've been looking at is some different scriptural elements to what Jesus said. Jesus said that we can have an abundant life. That he came to give us a life that overflows with the abundance of his promises, of his purposes, of his plans. But how many of you know that that kind of life doesn't just happen? It doesn't just fall in your lap, right? It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by praying a little bit harder, fasting a little bit more, reading your Bible a little bit extra, right? Spending some time uh, in worship. It doesn't happen simply by that, friends. It actually happens through something more. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is our identity. You know, now we just went through a little exercise that you didn't realize in introducing ourselves. And I guarantee you that when you introduced yourself, what you told somebody was your name. Your name. But the reality is that there's so much more to you and I. God has done something so much greater than giving us a name. In fact, he's changed our identity. Today I want to invite you to lean in with me to the word of God. And I, I guarantee you that today will encourage us, it will bless us, it will help us as we lean into the scriptures and listen for the voice of God. Not my voice, the voice of God. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of the overcomer's life. The overcomer's life. Now, when you hear that, I can guarantee you that many of us aren't thinking about our lives. We're not. We don't see ourselves necessarily as an overcomer. And I want to challenge you with a question as we get started here. Because if we're going to talk about overcoming, and we're going to talk about how overcoming today leads us into tomorrow, if we're going to talk about winning the day and winning every day and living in the abundant life that Jesus paid the high price for, if we're going to go there, then we have to understand how to overcome. So I want to start off with this question. Do you see yourself as an overcomer or do you tend to see yourself as overcome? Do you see yourself as an overcomer or do you live with this sense, this idea, this notion, this vision of your life that you are overcome? See, do you expect the best or do you tell yourself that you're going to receive the worst in every situation? When challenged, do we pen our own horror story in the recesses of our mind and our heart as we anticipate the very worst for life? As we tell ourselves how bad things are going to go? Or do we actually go an extra step and realize that the author and finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ and he has penned in the annals of heaven the reality that we are destined for something so much greater? Friend, are you that person that kicks yourself down before you even get going. See, the reality is that how we think about ourselves and what we see about ourselves plays a big part on if we overcome in life. Proverbs chapter 23 puts it this way, as a man thinks, so is he. You know, the reality is we can't get away from how we think. We can't get away from the picture that we have about ourselves. Thus, I submit to you that we have to get a scriptural basis for why we can overcome. Before you even accept why 
who you are as a new creation in Christ, before we accept this identity as an overcomer, we have to realize what God says about why we overcome. So let me give you two portions of scripture in that regard. The first one is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, and it says, But you belong to God, my dear children. Listen to how God relates to us so tenderly. He's after our hearts and he says, you, are, you belong to me. My dear children, you have already what? One. Come on and say that like you mean it. You have already what? One. Watch this. You have already won a victory over those people. Because who? The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Now you got to chew on that with me for a moment. Because what we're seeing here is that victory has nothing to do with battles. Victory has nothing to do with physical strength, friend. Victory has nothing to do with mere willpower. No, friends, victory is actually our identity personified. Let me say that again. Victory is our identity personified. When you understand that you are an overcomer, you begin to anticipate victory, not because it's your strength, but because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because you understand that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit working in you. You have been made alive in Christ. Might as well start living in victory. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. John 6, 16, the words of Jesus says, I have told you. Jesus says, I have told you all this. I've told you this for a reason, he's saying. I have told you all this so that you may have, what? Peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but watch this. But take heart. Be courageous. Encourage yourself. Draw strength from within. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You know, when I was a kid, truth be told, there was a time where I was going into clubs without an ID and at the, I didn't have the right age. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't of age. But it was about who I was with. And so I would be at the front of the line with these guys, and they'd be going, Shorty, you, you, how old are you? And I would, you know what my response was? I'm with him. And you know what they would say? Oh, oh, okay, come on in. What if we understood that because we walk with Christ? What if we truly believe that, Right? I guarantee you, if we understood what it means that we walk with the champion of all heaven and all creation, that we walk with a big God who's bigger than our problems, right? If we understood that and believed that, friends, you would walk confidently because, hey, I'm walking with him. You know what I'm talking about? So with that standing from the scriptures, and there's so much more with it to be said that could be said in that regard, I want to introduce you to the real you. I want to introduce you to what the scriptures, God has inspired by the Holy Spirit into the hearts of men to speak to us. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 37. 
And Romans 8.37 says this, no, no what? If you read a couple of verses before that, it's talking about all these challenges, all these hardships, all these things that the Apostle Paul went through. He says, no, 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 no. Don't focus on that. He says, in all these things, in all these things, in all these problems, in all these circumstances, in all that life throws at you, in all the day-to-day interactions, in, all the, in the midst of all those priorities, in all these things, he says, we are what? We are more than conquerors. How many of you like more? Oh, come on, don't be so spiritually minded to know earthly good. How many of you like more? Right? We, we like more. There's nothing wrong with more as long as you don't get full of yourself, right? We like more. But watch what all heaven declares. What God himself says. We're not just conquerors. He says we're more than conquerors. Go ahead and tell somebody you are more than what you see. Tell somebody else you are more than what you feel. Go ahead and tell somebody else you are more than what you're going through. Listen, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Man. So why is it? Why? Why is it that oftentimes some of us feel overcome instead of living as overcomers? Friend, I would submit to you that Now's not the time to beat yourself up. Now's not the time to beat yourself up. Now's the time to realize that what the word says does defy your circumstances, and it is truth. I'm reminded of an article I read. Did you know that bees are one of the only creatures in all creation that defy science and what they say they can do? Did you know that? Scientifically, it's proven that bees should not be able to buzz around flying. Why? Because their bodies are so much bigger and the weight of their bodies is so much bigger than what their wings can handle. How then is it that bees still fly? And I I got to thinking about this and I realized something. I, I, I think it's because a bee doesn't know that it can't. I got these wings, I might as well flap them and fly. Friend, you are more than a conqueror. Why not begin to start stepping out and dare to overcome in life? About three of you got that. You got to understand what the scripture is saying when it calls you more than a conqueror. In the Hebrew, in, in the, I'm sorry, in the Greek, it means to be above, beyond, permanent, un, preeminent, unequaled. In an overwhelming fashion, it declares that you and I are a prevailing force. It, de- it, it defines us as champions, victors, excelsiors. Why? Because we walk with God. And friend, what that means is no matter what you're facing, you do have the opportunity to overcome. The scriptures 
record in the book of Mark a time when Jesus had authorized the disciples to overcome. To overcome. But instead, they were overcome by their circumstances. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 35. And it says, That day when evening came, he, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, Say, read this with me, let us go over to the other side. Yeah, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Verse 37 goes on to say that a furious squall came up. It, the, the Greek here denotes that this may very well have been a nor'easter. It, this wasn't just a, like a rainstorm. This was a really bad storm. And so this furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So these guys are sinking. And Jesus was in the stern. And watch how cool Jesus is. Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. Get this. Our Lord and Savior ordered his own my pillow for this trip. <laughs> he brought a pillow. You can't make this stuff up, man. So he's sleeping on, uh, on a cushion and the disciples, they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, what did, what, what did they say to him? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Verse 39 goes on to say that he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the wind, to, to the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. Other renditions of the scriptures more accurately denote that he said, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Verse 40. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified, the scripture says, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So we got to get, get some context here for what's going on here. We've got to understand that what, what, actually, what actually is happening here. If you read a couple of verses before this and you follow the scriptures chronologically, what you'll find is that right before this moment, Jesus had miraculously multiplied five fish and two loaves of bread. I'm sorry, two fish and five loaves of bread. He had multiplied them. There was a great need. If you uh, consider the fact that they didn't count men and women, I know that the Bible says that it was about 5,000 men. It was actually more like 15 to 20,000 people, somewhere in that range. So there's a lot of people, and Jesus enacts this great miracle, and, 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 and it's a mighty move of God, and there's no denying that this is the power of God. But then suddenly Jesus switches gears. The night is upon them. It's getting dark. And he says to the disciples, pack it up. Take the leftovers. Let's get in the boats. We got to get to the other side. And it would appear, if you follow the scripture, and, and you read this chronologically, it would appear that Jesus was interested on what was on the other side. You see, on the other side was a man who was demon-possessed. He was tormented. 
So much so that this guy walked around cutting himself with stones and howling. He frequented uh, uh, grave sites. And the people, they were so afraid of him that they tried to chain him. And the scripture says that he snapped them like, like nothing. And so this man was demon-possessed, and these people were tormented, and they lived in constant fear. And Jesus says, we're going to the other side. So it would appear that Jesus had the intention of going over there specifically to deliver this man and to heal these people. But I would submit to you that while that is true, Jesus had a greater agenda. There was a greater purpose that he had. And if you follow what the scripture said, says, it's that the disciples would get to the other side. Now, I know that doesn't sound very appealing. Oh, come on. Jesus really didn't want them to get to the other side. That wasn't what it was about. But track with me here in the scripture because we're going to see otherwise. You see, Jesus didn't just see what was on the other side. He saw what was to come after they got there. I'm going to show you that in scripture. The first point that I want to leave you with here for reflection and application, because how many of you know that we can't just be hearers of the word? We have to be doers, right? And I pray that today as we hear what the scriptures declare and as we meditate upon these scriptures and as we leave here, that we not just simply leave here with this notion, this idea, this, this, this commentary in our own mind that says that was a good sermon. I pray that we would actually leave here challenged and that we would leave here challenged to the extent that we would go back to the scriptures and that we would look to the scriptures and that we would consider, God, what are you saying to me? What are you calling me to do? What are you affirming in me? What are you correcting? Because otherwise, friends, we've wasted our time. And so the first point I want to leave you with here is that to overcome, we must be fully committed to coming over. Let me say that again. To overcome, we must be fully committed to coming over. What are you talking about, Pastor? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Oftentimes, the reason why we don't overcome in life's battles is because we forget what Jesus has promised. Listen, Jesus says to them, guys, we're doing what? We're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. In essence, Jesus is saying, I'm all in. We're going to the other side. We're going to get there. These guys, on the other hand, have a different opinion, and we have to consider why. You see, Jesus was committed to bringing them through. And friend, Jesus is committed to bringing you through. You through. He did not save you to leave you. He did not heal you to leave you helpless. Right? He didn't start a work in you to leave it unfinished. No, he is the author and the finisher of our faith, right? He's not done, right? So that should encourage you. You're not done. We're still a work in progress. But you see, Jesus was committed to bringing them through. So the question is, were they committed to what he said? And the question to bring it closer to home for us is, if Jesus is committed to what his promises reveal, am I committed to what he has promised? Am I committed to stick it out? He said you're going over. But friend, we have to be willing to come over. 
instead of being overcome. Now, what's interesting is that when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, here's what he actually said. The word diokamai is what is used in the Greek to say, let us go over. And here's what it means. Let us journey through. Let's journey through. But then he uses the Greek word uh, for the other side is the Greek word paran. And paran is interesting because it's not actually talking about the other side. The Greek word paran means let us go, it means to go further than the other side. So what are we seeing here? What we're seeing here is that Jesus said, hey, let's get through so that we can go beyond what's on the other side. Now, why is that good news, friend? Because for too many of us, we believe too low. We see too low. Listen to what I'm saying. We're, we're praying for a breakthrough, not realizing that the breakthrough is just a step in the process to get you to a place of maturity. It's a, it's a, it's a time, a season of preparation that is preparing you for a greater purpose. And oftentimes we give up while Jesus is bringing us through. We're unwilling to come over. We'd rather be overcome. See, Jesus didn't just see this man delivered on the other side. And Jesus didn't just see a city free from this demonic oppression. No, Jesus saw the disciples at an end goal of growth, of maturity. But you see, they instead saw something different. And so friends, if we're going to get to the other side, if we're going to go further than the other side, if we're going to overcome in life, no matter what life throws at us, no matter what the enemy may whisper to you, no matter the challenges that rise up against you, if we're going to overcome, friends, we have to realize that we have to remain committed on the way there. Let me give you a portion of scripture that's very encouraging and it actually teaches us how to do this. Maybe you've read it. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 says this, and because of his glory and excellence. So get this, 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 doesn't, this doesn't even have anything to do with us. It's not about us. It's not what we do. It says because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and what? Precious promises. Great and precious promises. And these are the promises, watch this, that enable you. These are the promises that activate. These are the promises that make possible. What do they do? These promises, these are the promises that enable you. Watch this. Don't miss this divine moment with God where heaven touches earth. Don't miss this moment of eye-opening revelation and truth from the scriptures. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Listen to what the scripture is actually telling us here. It's pretty plain. If you think about it, the scripture says that you and I can begin to partake, to participate, to work in an active manner with God's DNA. Now, I'm not talking about molecular structure here. 
I'm talking about the divine nature of the almighty unleashed and working in your life, through your life. I'm talking about the wisdom of God made known to you. I'm talking about strength that defies your muscles and your own ability. I'm talking about discernment and understanding for greater things that gives you vision for what's to come. I'm talking about walking hand in hand with God and watching God do powerful things in your life and through your life. And watch how that happens. The scripture says, we take these great and precious promises. He's given them to us. And we begin to hold on to them. We begin to put our faith in those promises. We begin to get a new vision for life, for marriage, for family. In the midst of problems, in the midst of hardships, we develop a mindset. Our spiritual eyes are open to a God who is ever-present, but oftentimes we dismiss and we overlook. Friend, the scripture says, God says, not Pastor Jose, not an opinion here. The scripture says that you and I have the ability to partake of God's divine nature. His divine nature. See, the promise, according to the scripture, is what gives us the ability to overcome in the natural. The promise, when it is truth to us, when we accept it as such, it gives us the ability to overcome. It reminds me of a story I heard a while back. I know I've shared it here at some point, so bear with me if you've heard it. But it reminds me of a time where an entire community, an entire town, they get, they get, they, they're celebrating. They're like, we're going to dig a hole. We're going to dig a hole. And there's one donkey in the community. And he shows up. He goes, yay, we're going to dig a hole. And everybody grabs a shovel, the donkey included. Don't ask me how. I don't understand how that worked. But they're digging a hole. And this hole is rather wide and deep. And after they, they dig this hole, everybody's celebrating. We dug the hole. We dug the hole. We dug the hole. And then they kick the donkey into the hole. And everybody's excited and they grab their shovels and they begin to dump dirt on him and dump insults on him and call him out of his name and tell him how bad a donkey he is and tell him how useless he is. Sound familiar? And they're dumping on him and while they're dumping on him, here's what the donkey does every single time some dirt lands on his head, on his back. He shakes it off and he stomps his feet. And they're dumping some more and he shakes it off and he stomps his feet. And they dump some more and he shakes it off and he stomps his feet. Well, the most Amazing thing happens. The hole is full and the donkey's still standing. Let me tell you something, friends. Let me tell you how promises of God work. When life dumps on you, when your past reminds you of where you've been and tries to pull you back, when people try to put you down, when challenges feel like they are overcoming you and they are overwhelming you, friend, you got to shake it off and you got to say, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. You got to shake it off and stomp your feet and declare, I am the head and not the tail. You got to shake it off and stomp your feet and declare, I can do all things through Christ. Come on now, give God some praise. I'm talking to a people. And I dare say this, enough is enough. It's time to overcome. 
It's time to overcome. Yes, sir. But the doctor said, but you're an overcomer. But I don't feel like an overcomer. Since when does faith have anything to do with feelings? But I don't see it. Well, you serve a God who works in the unseen. Faith is the confidence in things hoped for. It's the evidence that we have of things unseen. God is at work. The question is, are we willing to come over? Second point I want to leave you with here is that to overcome, we're going to overcome. What you think about God determines who you become. Let me say that again. What you think about God determines who you become. In, in, in essence, in this regard, it plays a big part on if you begin to step out as an overcomer. It's interesting, but the, the disciples, they're in the boat with Jesus. This storm is happening. They are sinking. It is scary. Right? I mean, that happens to all of us. This is real. This is going on. But then, it's like the lights went off in their hearts. Because they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Watch how foul and messed up these guys were. Don't you care that we're about to die? Never mind you, Jesus. Don't you care that I'm about to die? Don't you care that I have a need? Don't you care that I'm struggling? Think about this. Even after this ordeal, the scripture says that he quiets the storm, everything's back at peace, and they go, who is this guy? Even the wind and waves, they obey him. What does that tell us? They didn't really see Jesus for who he was. And as such, they could not overcome. They could not overcome. Friends, here's the truth. As Christians, we are not byproducts of nature and nurture. We are not byproducts of our old nature and the way this world teaches us to nurture ourselves. Why? Because the scripture says that the old man is dead and gone. It tells us that we are to behold that all things have been made new. That we are now new creations and we have a new life. And so our life experience as Christians is now tied to our God picture. And that internal picture determines how we see ourselves and how we respond to everything. It determines if we overcome. So I want you to notice this, that the disciples, they're crying out in fear. And Jesus was doing what? Come on, about, about three of you are up. Let's try this again. Jesus was doing what? Sleeping. 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 Jesus was sleeping. And the question is, why was Jesus sleeping? Well, I would submit to you that the reason why Jesus was asleep was because Jesus knew what he said. And he knew who he was. The disciples, on the other hand, forgot what he said. And they forgot what he said they could do. He forgot what they said they would do. 
And so problems, friends, are not circumstantial. Problems are perceptual. It's all about how we respond to them, how we perceive them. Thus, we have to get a picture of Christ in us. And here's what these guys were missing. I love the way uh, John puts it. John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word uh, became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And it tells us that all things consist in Him, that all things were created by Him, right? And so what they were losing sight of is who they were with. You see, this wasn't just Christ, because Christ isn't His last name. We're talking about the Messiah. We're talking about Jesus the Christ. We're talking about the one who just multiplied fish and bread to a magnitude that is impossible physically and in every rational way. We're talking about Jesus who raised the dead. We're talking about Jesus who, who, who did the impossible. We're talking about that Jesus and that Jesus, the same Jesus that's walking with us 800 years before this point. And Isaiah 53 was there when this was inspired where it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames you see will not set you ablaze, friends. I'm telling you that the same Jesus that was in the boat with them is in your boat carrying you through every step of the way. And while you're fretting, he's resting. Why? Because what he said stands. The last point I want to leave you with here as we come to a close is that to overcome, we must stop asking God to do what we must do. This is where the rubber meets the road, friend. I know that for some of us, we've been raised to believe in a, just bless me, Jesus. Just help me, Jesus. Just carry me, Jesus. Just do it, Jesus. But friend, to overcome, we must stop asking God to do what we must do. What's interesting is that this is where the disciples were missing it. And hey, before any of us are quick to judge them, let's be honest. Some of us, we treat Jesus more like a crutch than we do as Lord. We just want to lean on him. You do it. You're God. You do it. But you see, Jesus' response upon being awakened by the disciples is very telling to us. Because he said to them, why are you so afraid? And then he says, do you still have no faith? The implication of what Jesus said in this moment is powerful. Because what he was actually denoting was that they had no reason to fear. Because they had enough faith to get over. Hear this, friend. Don't miss this point. Don't miss what God is speaking to you right now. They were busy crying out to Jesus to save them. 
and Jesus was resting because they had what they needed to make it. And I know for some of us, the reason why we struggle at overcoming in life and overcoming in circumstances and overcoming at a diagnosis and overcoming in the midst of challenges and overcoming in the midst of our past, whatever it is, the reason why we struggle to overcome is because we just want God to do it. And we fail to realize that faith takes steps. And God's not going to take the step for you and I. It's time to step out and function in the peace that God has given you. It's time to step out with the divine authority that has been placed upon us as a mantle and dare to face life's challenges. Look, I'm no better than anybody here, whether you're here or online. I'm human just like you but I'm also filled with the same spirit that indwells you. And I can tell you, without getting into too many details, that there was a time where I was a broken man. Alcohol abuse was something that just, it was common in my home. Dysfunction was normal. Domestic violence was sport. Hurting each other was common. It was natural because, you see, hurt people only know how to hurt each other. But there came a point in my life where I said, God, I'm tired. I don't want this. And here's where I was. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to break free. This is all I know. And I said, Jesus, help me. And it was right around that season in my life where God brought a woman into my life. Pastor Annette, my wife. And God began to speak to, through her and teach me some things and, and open my eyes. Because you see, while she was very comforting and very strong at the same time, instead of coddling me, instead of, instead of just, ay bendito, let me just pray for you. I'm just believing God with you. You know what my wife did? My wife said to me, you are everything that God declares he's made you to be. Pick up your bootstraps. Tighten up your pants. Get up and get going. God is for you. Who can be against you? You can do this. You have this. You've got the wisdom of God. Jesus is for you. And what he started in you, he will complete. And it reminded me. It revealed to me that I was waiting on God to do something that he had already authorized me to do. Would you stand with me today? As we come to a close today, you know, my problem was not my problems. 
My problem was I was waiting for God to do what he had given me authority to do. Sir, you are the head in your home. Sir, you can lead your wife and your family. Wife, you are not beneath him. You are equal. That's what the scripture says. You complete him. So walk in your divine authority and help him discover everything that God created him to be. Mother, father, your children may be a mess, but they are not a mistake. God's not done with them. When you see the worst, believe the best. See what God sees and speak truth to the lie that the enemy is operating in their hearts. I'm telling you right now that it is high time that we get past our excuses and we do what God has called us to do. It's time to partake of the divine promise that says you win. You overcome. God is working with you. And friend, I'm going to tell you how you do that. We'll give you a little clue. You got to lean into this truth. You got to lean into the promises of God. You've got to begin to surround yourself with overcomers instead of people that don't want to come over anywhere. Yeah. Do I have any overcomers in the house today? Come on now. Come on and declare that. You might be going through some stuff, man. But listen closely. Your condition does not affect the covenant that you have with God. You are an overcomer. So start walking in that. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.